So I want to start uh, my uh, talk for you this morning by watching a scene from the film version of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. Any Hobbit fans here? Yeah, oh my gosh, a round of applause for The Hobbit. Get Vince off the stage, just play the clip, okay. Uh, <laughs> so well, let me set it up for you for a minute, um, although obviously you all know what's going on. Uh, Bilbo Baggins, who is played by Martin Freeman, uh, is a hobbit who lives a very comfortable life in the Shire. Uh, the night before what we are about to watch, uh, Gandalf the wizard and 13 dwarves show up at Bilbo's house and invite him to leave his comfortable life to help them on a dangerous yet important quest. Uh, in the process, these house guests, house guests make a mess of Bilbo's house and possessions, doing things like playing catch with his fine dining plates. You can see Bilbo's face there. He freaks out about this and is utterly overwhelmed and out of his comfort zone about the whole thing. He makes clear he is not joining them on their dangerous quest, no matter how important. And the scene we're about to watch here is the morning after when he wakes up and finds that Gandalf the wizard and the 13 dwarves are gone. Okay. So Bilbo goes from freaking out about his plates to, I can't stop, I'm already late, I'm going on an adventure. Despite the risk, he sees the promise of being a part of something bigger than himself, and that grabs him enough that he goes for it. I like this. I, I think that's a really fun and inspiring scene, especially because I love fantasy stories, and that's what I've been talking about a lot here on Sundays lately. So, and yet, I think my favorite part of the scene we just watched is, in Martin Freeman's portrayal is how Bilbo clearly by no means understands what he's gotten into. Like, do, do you notice, like, the awkward, like, moment where he's still partially unsure? I signed it! And he makes that little face. Like, he, he looks at the horse, and he's like, oh, geez, I have to get on one of those. And he, he's like, I, I don't care. See, look, look, I don't care about plates. I'm in on the quest. But I'm kind of unsure at the same time. I, I think that's really great, because I think that really portrays well uh, taking such a step. Bilbo doesn't... He, he doesn't leave his comforts like the flipping of a light switch, right? That's not how that works. But nonetheless, it's still inspiring because he's taking a big, crucial first step in living in some world that is beyond just his comfort and his possessions and his plates. All right, so we'll come back to that in a minute. We have, if you've been around here uh, with us at BLV, uh, a couple of series going on at the same time uh, at our church, and I really, I really like the back and forth that they're providing us. So Kyle, when he's up here, my co-pastor preaching, he's been talking uh, uh, us through the prophetic voices of the Old Testament and how they speak truth to power in a way that really resonates in America right now. And then the first week of January, I started the series that I'm picking up today, uh, which is taking us through one of Jesus's favorite topics of conversation, the kingdom of God, and particularly how the invitation into the kingdom of God is an invitation out of our ordinary worlds and into a special world that can transform us. And we looked at this diagram uh, last week, and I'll talk more about it as we go on today. It is sort of in the same pattern as the fantasy stories and heroes' journeys that we all love, like The Hobbit, which is why I bring that up today, or like Harry Potter, which is one of my favorites, or like any of the other stories that you all love and you should totally ask me about because I love them too. So hopefully you're enjoying the back and forth of our two series. We think it's kind of fun. 
Uh, perhaps you'll remember uh, when I kicked off this series um, the first week of January, we talked about how in cultures throughout history, there seems to be an innate tra- attraction to stories of people departing their ordinary worlds, as you see up here, in, and being initiated into a special world. And that initiation brings danger to our character. It brings challenges. It brings, uh, brings them into something beyond their comfort zone. But it also brings them new friendships and new discoveries and purpose. And through all of this personal transformation into all the characters meant to be, they return from their journey changed. And I mentioned last time this theological idea that I love and we're working throughout this series, that Jesus, in his life, death, and resurrection, is this departure, initiation, return pattern incarnated. Like, what, maybe that's why God comes to humanity in Jesus, in the incarnation, to show us a journey of transformation story come to life. All of our millions of cultures, myths and, and stories that, that grab us now throughout history become reality in Jesus. And he calls people to follow him. He said, we are all invited into our own unique pattern of departure, initiation, return, so that we can be transformed. It's not just for fantasy stories. It's for real life. And that's the kind of thing that we're working in this, in this uh, series. The special world, in the case of following Jesus, is what he calls the kingdom of God. One of his favorite topics of conversations. We'll be visiting various statements about the kingdom of God, various teachings, various encouragements that Jesus goes to about the kingdom of God. A spiritual reality here for us to tap into if we can trust what we cannot see. So I think our glimpse of Bilbo from The Hobbit shines light on what is, I think, one of the major realities of the ordinary world. Possessions, comfort, materialism. And in the 21st century, in America, what that mainly means is consumerism. Consumerism is one of the key elements of our ordinary world. And that's what I want to work today. And I think Bilbo so helpfully brings us to as he's freaking out about his dinner plates. Consumerism is what's so often in charge in our ordinary world. It controls our life planning from a very young age. So when I was a kid, perhaps you heard messages similar to me. The message was, get good grades in my education. Why? So I could go to a good college. Why? So I could be marketable for a good career. Why? So I could make money. Why? So I could buy things, right? To keep our economy of things supported, which supposedly will help me support myself and my family. And also, so I can save for the future. Why? So I can buy more expensive things, right? Now, it's, it's not totally fair to paint it quite so starkly. Like, there is a kernel of something more meaningful there in that whole support of family thing, right? But what I'm getting at is that there is a limited experience and a, and a ceiling on our life available in the ordinary world, ruled by possessions and comfort and consumerism. There's a real ceiling to what we can get out of that. It's just like, maybe it can be great up to this point, and then it's just no longer. Like Bilbo freaking out about his plates, in a moment when our comfort is threatened, our possessions seem really important. They seem like the height of importance. They seem like all we've worked for, all we know, like all we are even. But then, 
also like Bilbo, maybe we wake up the next morning and we realize, wait a minute, comfort is not what makes me feel alive. That's not, that, that's not what I'm like all cracked out to go for, right? There's something more. A few weeks back, I lost my AirPods, you know, wireless headphones, right? And I can, I can honestly tell you guys, AirPods were the best purchase I made in 2019, okay? If you want some consumerism from the stage right now, I'm giving it to you, okay? I use these every day. They brought me joy because I like to listen to podcasts and music as I go about my day, as I commute. They upgraded my dishwashing game. Do you guys know what sucks when you're dishwashing? Leaning over with headphones and they get caught on things and then they rip the buds out of your ear and it hurts and you're like, oh my gosh, these stupid earbuds, why do I like to do this? AirPods, incredible. You can lean over things and they don't get ripped out. Best purchase I made in 2019. Loved my AirPods and then I lost them. I was so upset. I know, cry me a river, right? I was so upset because they're expensive. I, I, I cannot just replace them without consequence. But more than that, I was upset because I couldn't get over it. You know what I mean? That it affected my life so much, that I had such a hard time being present with other people after I realized I'd lost them. Some of you in this room were with me that day, and you know that this is true. I don't want to be the kind of person who can't get over losing something material, right? Like, I'm not that guy, right? I'm a, I have higher values. I'm the guy who can let that kind of thing go. But I'm not that guy. This experience showed me I might aspire to be that. I might try to present myself as that, kind of like Bilbo. Like, I signed it. I'm ready. And that's not nothing. But the fact of this experience of losing my AirPods bore out the real truth for me. I am a materialist and a consumer just like the next American. Man, it's true. That is a massive part of my ordinary world. And it just is. There's no way around it. It is a massive part of yours and my ordinary world, the consumerism-driven lifestyle. So in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is recorded delivering a prolonged stretch of teachings on money and possessions. And I think it, it's helpful here, so I'm going to bring it to us. In it, he says things like, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves can break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And this stretch of teaching culminates with one of Jesus's many kingdom of God statements, the ones we're going to, seek first the kingdom of God. In other words, the most worthwhile things to prioritize in life are not purchased, right? They're intangible. The most worthwhile things in life are transformation, spiritual fulfillment, higher purpose and calling, community and friendship and companionship, right? Money can't buy me love, the Beatles sang, right? But the most connecting part of this teaching from Jesus, for me, is not just his point. Like, I, I think that that rings true. I think most of us would read that and think, I certainly want that to be the case for me. The most connecting part is that he ties all of this to anxiety. So we expand a little bit from his teaching in Matthew 6. He says, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. 
They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your span of life? And then skipping to his final flourish. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Very Yoda, that last line, right? Do you know, sufficient for the day, its own trouble is, right? That was very, no, no one? This is why I chose this specific translation into English of the Bible, because it made Jesus sound like Yoda, so you're welcome. <clears throat> anyway, so trying to seek first the kingdom of God and tying that to anxiety, that's connecting to me because I think it feels like what we saw in the, the glimpse of Bilbo in our, in our scene. No one can just flip the light switch to leave comfort and possessions, to leave the ordinary world that we all live in behind. We can't just flip a light switch. We may try to present ourselves like we flipped a light switch, but our body language will betray us, right? And I find Jesus' last comment here that each day will bring its own anxieties. I find that really interesting. It's sort of like Jesus is saying, Anxiety is an unavoidable part of life. You are going to be stretched thin. You're going to be stressed. That just is in life. But we have the ability to choose where we are stretched thin. Whether we are stretched thin on consumerism's terms or whether we are stretched thin on God's terms. That's a really interesting suggestion. Like, consumerism is unforgiving. It's soul-killing. All we experience there is restlessness, a lack of contentment, constantly looking to tomorrow. It teaches us to compare ourselves to our peers, ruining our self-image, or maybe breeding resentment toward others. We become increasingly comfortable with ethical compromise so long as it you know, lets our, our lifestyle main, be maintained. But being stretched thin in the kingdom of God is different. It is being stretched thin. I want to stress this. The middle act of our journeys, as we look at that leaving our ordinary world and entering into the special world, the middle act is called initiation. It will be sacrifices. It will be hardships and trials. We will face stresses like loneliness and complexity and betrayal and weariness and crisis. We will face these stresses. But if those stresses come to us because we have left the ordinary world of consumerism, if they come to us because we've decided to give money away instead of spend it, or because we've decided to prioritize love and intangible values over our possessions or our financial gain, because we've taken risks to invest in things bigger than us, if we're stressed for those reasons, then despite the challenges, I think we get purpose. I think we feel transformed by the hardships and not buried by them. And I think we hear and feel God along the way because we're actually going somewhere. We're on a journey like our favorite fantasy stories. We're not just camping out in the ordinary world where all that is is what's right in front of us. And maybe even more than that, we make friendships, friendships forged by shared struggle, which are so much more powerful than friendships forged by shared interest. Friendships forged by shared struggle 
are far more powerful than friendships forged by shared interest. These are the things that we long for, right? We don't want our lives to be small and insignificant. We, we do long for purpose and transformation and hearing and feeling God and friendship, and we long for those things. So if Jesus is right, if part of what life is just means that we're going to be stretched thin no matter what, why not be stretched thin with purpose and not just as a slave to consumerism? So, hopefully you're feeling inspired. Let me end by uh, distilling this down to a few practical ways that we might set ourselves up to live beyond consumerism and seek first the kingdom of God, as Jesus' phrase encourages. So first, when faced with big decisions that involve money, ask God, what would transform me into all I'm meant to be? I'm suggesting that as our big question. So that's an alternative question to the most of the questions that consumerism, our ordinary world, teaches us to ask. We might be taught to ask, like, what is most comfortable or convenient? What keeps up with so-and-so who I follow on Facebook or Instagram, right? What would be the most impressive is a question that we are taught to ask. What wins? What would make me feel special or important? What is fastest or easiest is a question that we're taught to ask in our ordinary world. It makes me think of Yoda and Luke talking in, Empire, in The Empire Strikes Back about the Force. Anyone, any, any Star Wars fans? So Luke asks Yoda, is the, is the dark side stronger? And Yoda says, no. Quicker, more seductive, not stronger. I love that. That's my Yoda. You're welcome, again. You're just getting a lot of Yoda today, guys. Asking what would transform me into all I'm meant to be instead of consumerism's questions, the ones that come naturally to us, is a practical way to try to seek first the kingdom of God. It focuses us on the unseen, intangible benefits of a special world. Purpose, higher values, deep friendships, community, feeling God. So we don't fall into the trap of believing that the ordinary world is all there is and all there is for us. The ordinary world is not all there is for us. That is what slowly like, gives us death by paper cuts in American society. All that is there for me is this ordinary world, which is really not all it's cracked up to be, right? We have, this, this is a way to kind of convince ourselves, oh, wait, maybe there is something more. And so asking that question about, I'm faced with a big decision. It involves my money. It involves kind of consequential things about my life. What would transform me into all I'm meant to be? Maybe that can be a guiding question for us. Okay, second. Uh, my encouragement would be to plan generosity. So this is as opposed to uh, leaving generosity solely up to spontaneity, to being spontaneous. I'm, I'm encouraging us to plan to give money away in advance. And this is important because being intentionally generous with the money you make is a way that anyone can leave behind consumerism and enter the kingdom of God, even if the job that makes you that money feels like the very definition of consumeristic or feels like it has no inherent meaning. Does anybody feel like they're trapped in a job that has no inherent meaning or feels like I'm just, I'm just a part of the hamster wheel of consumerism? That can feel soul-killing. But 
by planning ways that you can be generous with the money that you make, you can, you can leave consumerism behind even if the job that you, that you are in feels like it's trapping you. So this is important. You don't have to leave your capitalist job to live beyond consumerism. For some of us, that might be what God calls us into. I've heard stories of that before, but it's not necessary. So I am inspired by a woman in our church who uh, well into her life as a like, full-time income-earning adult, she's quite successful at what she does, uh, she felt compelled learning about a time-honored bit of spiritual wisdom on money management called tithing. I don't know if anybody's ever heard that word before. It means giving away 10% of the money you make. 10%, that's a lot, right? Like, but giving it away to charity, giving it away to the poor, giving it away to friends or family in need, having it marked there, ready to be helpful if somebody does need something, or giving it away to your faith community or church if you're a part of one. 10% is a lot, right? That's a lot. That, do you know how to get 10%? You move the decimal point over one. That's still a lot of money. Did anybody ever learn that trick? That's how you get The wisdom, though, is it is an active way to regularly depart from the ordinary world of consumerism. It's like, because every time you get a paycheck, you're just like, oh, okay, I'm going to do that again. By making the choice not to consume with some of your dollars, by putting your money toward larger things than yourself, or just towards someone who is not yourself, you're like actively taking yourself out of the ordinary world. You're doing it right there. That is bucking the, the, the consumerism-driven lifestyle. And so my friend, I'm mentioning, she felt like God wanted to grow and transform her through this. This was embrace this idea. And so she took the time to rebudget her entire life, which was really hard, she says. It involved all kinds of sacrifice. Eventually, though, she found a new normal in which she was giving away 10% of the money she makes. To this day, she is one of the most generous people I know. She's one of the most generous people to this church, that's for sure. And it makes me think uh, of one uh, last part of Jesus' teaching in Matthew 6. He says, where your treasure is, your heart is as well. Anyone ever heard that one before? That's a very famous one from Jesus. In other words, follow your spending and you'll find your true priorities, which isn't always what I believe my priorities are, right? Does that make sense? Our receipts can tell a, a more correct story than our own minds, right? I can, I can cast for, I can narrate for somebody, oh, yeah, you know, I really value these, uh, these really important things, these causes in the world. But if you followed my spending, would I back up? What, like, would, I, would I walk what I talk? That's an interesting question. I think if you follow my friend's treasure, where she puts her money, the priorities that that reveals about her leave her feeling purposeful. And, and now that, is, that, that feels like a departure from the ordinary world, Right? from the economy of consumerism. How often do we feel purposeful about our money, right? Like, don't we usually feel ashamed and regret about our money? God, why did I buy that? I don't need that. Ugh. We constantly feel that way. Planning generosity is an invitation to feel more purpose and less regret and shame. That's what I'm encouraging us for today. Feel more purpose and less regret and shame. That grabs me. Okay, third. Invite God and other people in when you feel stuck in consumerism. So one of the essential elements of every journey of transformation story is the hero believing for a bit that they need to do this alone, you know? 
Frodo thinks Sam can't help with the ring in Lord of the Rings, right? Harry thinks Hermione and Ron can't help him in Harry Potter, right? Multiple times throughout the books. And when we get to the parts of these stories that we love, do, do you know what all of our experiences are? You're like, no! What are you, what are you, just, just tell them what you're feeling. Do, yes, invite them in. What are you thinking? They can help you, right? Don't we all have the exact same response? For God's sake, let them help you, Harry, right? Eventually, they finally do in every story, and then that's like some, that's like some part of the key transformation that the character experiences. Oh, they learned, they learned how to let other people in and ask for help, and, and that they're not alone, and that was really powerful. And those, those are those forged friendships by, by, by shared struggle. Wow. I think that teaches us. I, in, in a very small way, as I think about this experience of losing my AirPods, I mentioned, when I saw friends and family that, later that day, I didn't pretend like I wasn't stewing in this. I was just like, you know, I, I, I didn't do like that. Oh, you know, I'm fine. Yeah, I lost them, but it's okay. I'm cool. I'm cool. I was like, no, I wish I felt fine, but I don't. I feel crappy about this. I feel annoyed that I feel crappy about this. And it just is what it is. That's who I am unfiltered right now. And just sharing honestly that way, not like having to like pretend to be something I wasn't, I, I honestly, I felt some of the power of consumerism over me just break. I was able to, like, I, I, after that I was able to pray, and I was able to pray the same thing. God, I wish I felt more fine about this, but I don't. And that's where I am today. Thanks for being with me, God. And that just, and, and then I got some of my wish. I was able to go about my day. I was able to sleep well that night and realize that I, I am okay. And I can be that person who can let this roll off of me if I don't pretend to be it ahead of time. Just let that happen to me. Let myself be transformed into that by being honest. So let others in and let God in is my recommendation here. That feeling that you should hide or pretend or go it alone like our famous uh, fantasy stories, when you are trapped in your ordinary world, when you're trapped in consumerism, take that as a trial to overcome. It's not a reflection of your character. It's just a part of your transformation. All right. So, any one of these things, trying them? I mean, I'm, I'm asking you to make sacrifices, take risks. These are not easy things, right? You're not supposed to talk about money in polite conversation. I'm just bringing it up here, right? Like, these are not easy things. They, are, they will feel out of the ordinary if we do them. And that's exactly right, because they are, right? They are leaving the ordinary world. They are a departure from consumerism. They are trusting in spiritual wisdom, in the unseen God, to bring satisfaction and contentment and fulfillment that you can't actually put your finger on. They're intangible. To try and bring us the purpose and the joy that we long for, that we so instinctively turn to things for, turn to consumption for. This is trusting that you can get that in a different way. And so I get that it feels out of the ordinary. It that makes sense, right? And yet, what if there is a special world? What if the ordinary world is not all there is? And that is what we're encouraged to consider. And so uh, all of that in mind, I would love to pray for us. Can I ask you to stand for me today? And we're going to pray. All right. All right. <clears throat> 
well, feel free to leave your eyes open or close your eyes as I pray. And let me pray. All right, Jesus, I thank you for the words that we look to today about seeking first the kingdom of God, about leaving the ordinary world. And if there is something in this for any of us in this room that feels connecting about that big part of our ordinary world, which is consumerism, which is possessions and money and just being ruled by like all of that stuff that's right in front of us is the only thing there is. If there is something exciting about the prospect of leaving that, of departing from that in some way, I ask that you would sort of kindle that excitement. Don't let it die right now. Don't let it just be a flash in the pan experience. Let it kind of, let it find a fireplace right now in us. And so if that's you, I'm going to pray for you right now. Jesus, I pray for your spirit to really like ignite that fire there, that there would, there would truly feel like we, we've got something that's not just going to be a flash in the pan, but I'm actually going to feel some energy behind this. I'm going to feel some inspiration behind this. And I pray that you'd speak to us about like what, what can we do practically? Maybe it's something that Vince said this morning, maybe it has nothing to do with those things, but it's something else about stepping outside of the ordinary world of consumerism and into something bigger. I pray for those right now who, do, who are those people who feel like, my job is the definition of consumeristic. Like, I don't have any inherent meaning in my job. I can't escape that. I feel like I'm just like a, on the hamster wheel of American society. But maybe you're not. Maybe you don't have to be. Maybe there are options for you. And so I pray inspiration for those of us who feel that, who feel trapped by that and are looking for something else, wanting their life to be about more. Show us that we can do that, that we can leave the ordinary world, even in our job that feels like it lacks meaning. And then for those of us who are like just kind of charged or convicted in some good way here, I pray that you would lay out what's the next step for us. Speak to us individually right now. And this will look different for every person. And so just show us what is the next step for us. Take us out of the comparison game. That's the ordinary world. When we start comparing ourselves to other people, I'm not doing what so-and-so is doing. Take us out of that game if, we're, if right now we're doing the comparison game with like, with like good things, you know, not, not comparison game with like, oh, they have, they went on a vacation and I didn't, but they give more money than me or they're more like, oh, they're clearly more uh, generous to others than me or clearly living in the special world more than me. Just break that. I just pray that you would just crush all of those voices, throw them out, crumple them up, put them in the trash and let us just feel peace right now about what is our path forward in leaving the ordinary world of consumerism, 